This Lent, as a matter of practice, we've started each service with the Decalogue, or the reading of the Ten Commandments. This may strike some of us as confrontational or imposing in some way, but it's done as a reminder to us about how we are to relate to God and also how we are to relate to one another. We get a double dose of the Ten Commandments today in the service, too, because we recite them and then our first reading retells them to us. So the question some of you might have is, why? I think this breaks down further if we ask ourselves, are the Ten Commandments a barrier to a fuller life with God and one another, or are they something that make our lives better? Do they invite us into something? Do they make us stop and think, right? They, almost, they might also have us think if we view our relationship to God and to the people we care about as something ultimately relational or ultimately transactional. Is it both? Is it one? Is it the other? People have struggled with this idea of transactional versus relational for centuries. Apparently, this idea of relating to God being a transactional arrangement got so intense by the time Jesus was preaching and teaching that instead of the temple in Jerusalem being a holy place for worship and prayer, it became a marketplace to exchange Roman money for temple currency. It became a marketplace to sell animals as offerings for sacrifices. It became a place where those with more money curried the favor of God just a little bit more than those who had less of it, or none at all. Yes, in some ways, today's temple scene is the culmination of years and years and years of a practice of ritual sacrifice and the buildup that led to it. The Jewish Talmud states that in Jesus's time, sometimes as many as 1.2 million sheep would be slaughtered in one day in the temple, and priests would be knee-deep in pools of blood. This fact alone causes modern scholars to believe that the temple alone was the main driver of the local economy in Jerusalem. And so today we have Jesus entering this chaotic environment where anybody needing to get right with the Lord had a way to get back into God's good graces by buying something that would be killed on the high altar as a sacrifice. At least, that's what people were thinking. And seeing this with his own eyes makes Jesus realize that he's had enough. Enough of these institutionally imposed barriers of inequality between the haves and the have-nots. Enough of these so-called religious elite claiming to have the favor of God over others. Enough of the desecration of such a sacred place with its marketplace of animals and the various currency exchanges profiting off the misery and the poverty of the local people. Enough. This distortion, rather this abominable thought that God relates to us in how we purchase things for God is absolutely ludicrous. It'd be about as ridiculous as if we had some kind of rewards program or rewards card, like a frequent flyer program for the people who showed up at church each week. 
The whole concept is rather absurd, but it equates to what's going on here in this reading. Jesus is attempting to correct this wrong. He's trying to stop what he sees as a huge distortion on how people think they are to relate to God. And instead, he's trying to boldly demonstrate that even if all of these sacrifices stop, that God is still present, that God is still here, and that God still loves each and every one of us equally. It goes further than this. Jesus overturning the tables of the money changers is a reminder that when the kingdom of God arrives, the world begins to experience something new. That God's ways upon the world are not going to impose barriers from ordinary people entering into the fullest life they can ever imagine with God. These actions by Jesus reaffirm Psalm number 40 when it says, in sacrifice and offering you take no pleasure, you have given me ears to hear you. In short, God equips us in our personhood with absolutely everything we need to relate directly to God. With Jesus, there is a bold reminder that human beings and the divine do not have to be separate. And we don't relate transactionally, but rather relationally with one another. But our world tells us over and over again that transactional arrangements are the only way. History tells us that the church got itself into a heap of trouble in the 1500s when it thought it could sell indulgences to peasants and promise them forgiveness in exchange. That sparked rev revolutions across Europe. But we have things nowadays, too, that are kind of like this. Think about how we apply to go to college in this country. Even when you have decent grades and are a resident of a specific state, your admission to the state university might be passed over for a student from out of state that can pay more tuition. This may not happen in Arizona, but we know that it happens in many places across the U.S. Hmm. Think about how we vote. Voting ultimately should be about a person's relationship with their government. But instead, we see people starting fights and imposing restrictions and barriers on who can vote and who's going to have more trouble voting. Again, it often comes down to whom is deemed, to who is deemed worthy by someone else. Another scenario. Think about how we're getting or trying to get vaccines for COVID. Have you ever noticed that in Phoenix, every single one of the major vaccination sites is in a predominantly wealthy area? Interesting, huh? As George Orwell in his classic novel Animal Farm states, is it four legs good, two legs bad? Or is it four legs good, two legs better? We struggle in life who to follow, how to survive, how to get ahead, where to look for hope, and all of us in some way get burned by being part of a world that values transactions over relationships. We get burned. And Jesus is saying today, enough. It doesn't have to be this way. God wants you as you are. God loves you as you are, not as you're told you have to be by society, 
God wants your heart and wants to relate to your heart because your creator fearfully and wonderfully made you just as you are and wants to relate to you just as you are. What's important to see in this reading is that Jesus is angry because others in the story were trying to keep everyday people from knowing and loving God in any sort of direct way. There were endless barriers. And like I mentioned earlier, we also see barriers that prevent us from living in our world in a full and complete way. But Jesus is trying to show us something better. We are God's beloved because God has chosen all of us to be God's beloved. And because of Jesus, there isn't anything we can do to be outside of the realm of being God's beloved. So as a result, our invitation today is to focus on how we might be up to the task of cultivating our belovedness. We are invited to think about how God is forcefully showing us that the barriers and barricades of the world are not the barriers between us and God. We are challenged to examine ourselves in thinking about how we've created a transactional bargaining system in our mind between us and God. Jesus is begging you to tear down those temple structures between you and God in your heart and replace them in a more direct, more relational connection. To remove anything you've imposed that stands in your way of letting God love you 100% each and every day. This is why the tables were overturned. This is why Jesus gets out the whip and removes the marketplace because our relationship with God is not like making trades on the stock market. It is something more sacred, more special, more direct, and more available than you and I can ever imagine. This is our invitation to throw out the barriers and to realize that God is here right now and wants a relationship of love and blessing with each of us directly. God is not distant. God is right here among us, alongside us, with us. What barriers do we have going on between us and God? What are we doing to get rid of them, to let the light shine in, to let the love shine in, to forge a real connection with God's unbounded love? How are you forging new connections with God? and God's love today. The love is here and it waits for you.